What's going on, guys? It's Alex from College Hoops Pod. I'm back for another episode. Chris and Spence, what's going on, guys? How y'all doing? A lot of madness this weekend, Alex. We're looking forward to talking about it. For sure. So, um, kind of crazy. Kind of crazy first weekend, to be honest. Um, how's the brackets looking? <laughs> yeah, uh, brackets not doing too well. Uh, I'm gonna need a little bit of luck going forward, but that's expected. I feel like in March, the first two we- the first two rounds always provide a lot of upsets and stuff you don't plan on going right uh we warned our listeners say focus on your final four focus on your champion sadly half of my final four is not there so we're focusing on the ones that are there um gonzaga and baylor are my only saving grace right now yeah i think i've also had the same struggles i had illinois winning it all obviously everyone knows they got upset by loyola and sister jean and then but the three of my other Final Four teams are still there. Florida State looked good, and it went over Colorado. Was scared going into that game after Colorado looked great and absolutely smacked Georgetown. But Florida State got the job done there. Then I got the two favorites rounding out my Final Four, and Zag and Baylor, and both of them have looked great. Yeah, I was saying if, if Gonzaga lost that game to Oklahoma, if Oklahoma somehow came back, I would have lost all my marbles. Uh, that would not have helped anyone especially when you got teams like Ohio State, Texas, and Illinois going out in the first two rounds. That certainly is no help. Yeah, um, I'm in a pickle right now because on ESPN, only nine of my brackets still have a champion remaining. So 17 of them do not. 17 of the, t- 17 of the teams that I chose are not in the tournament anymore out of 26, I believe. But in my money bracket, I'm top five. And the best bracket I have left has Creighton as the champion. So, yeah, we're not. That's not going to end. I mean, Creighton looked better than we thought they did. Um, I thought they were going to lose. They almost did lose. We'll talk about about that. They they, they shocked me uh, with Creighton and Villanova advancing as far as they did. I did not think if any team had a chance, I thought it would have been UConn coming out of the Big East. Um, definitely those two would shock me the most. Um, so Chris, yes, sir. you're kind of like the stat guy while Mick isn't here. Yeah, so um, what, how are we looking this weekend? What, what, what did we, what did we see this weekend? Well, Alex, we almost reached a record. Um, uh, I believe five double digit seeds was the previous record in the March Madness tournament for, uh, the most amount of double digit seeds to reach the sweet 16. Uh, we were one short. We hit four we with uh, UCLA, Syracuse, Oregon State, and Oral Roberts advancing. I mean, we had we had some close ones. Um, Maryland could have easily advanced. Um, you got other teams out there like uh, Rutgers that played a very close game against Houston. Uh, definitely some some de- close chances to get in some more double digit seeds there as well. Um, we had 10 first round upsets, which I feel like is a lot. But honestly, with March, you never know what to expect. Um, I, I don't know what it's like historically, but I feel like 10 is an average amount. But six second round upsets, that's pretty shocking. Um, and again, some of these upsets are teams like a nine over an eight seed, which many of us not may not see as an upset. But according to the definition of an upset, a lower seeded team being a higher seed team, that's what it counts as. So, Chris, um, you mentioned UCLA was in the Sweet 16, which I honestly find hard to believe. 
Um, they played on Thursday, Thursday night. So now they've played one more game than everybody else, and they're the only team that has played three games. So let's kind of talk about that that first day. Um, the Drake game, I think Joseph Yesifu is, is a national hero for the Bulldogs. Um, he put his all out into that game, and they escaped on a nail biter. I mean, I, that last look, I thought that was going in. That was a great look to win the game. Yeah, Wichita State was leading for most of that game, right? Uh, I think Drake went on a 10-0 run to close the first half out, and they went on a very similar run to close the game out. Um, I, I think, yes, as you were saying, um, obviously the national treasurer played as well as anyone has all season. Um, I think their big man, Brody, as well, uh, played a really good game, and especially towards the end at both of the halves, I think he was key in both those runs. Uh, it's good to have a big man down low to rely on because it's just some easy buckets. Yeah, and on the other side for Wichita, one of their star players, Tyson Etienne, struggled all game. He only finished with one point on over six shooting, didn't even make a field goal. And come March, you need all your players in, especially a star player like him. And that was obviously one of the biggest reasons they blew a lead twice. Yeah, Etienne, um, he, we actually covered him when they beat Houston earlier this season. He had a really good game and was very instrumental in that Houston win. Uh, again, in marching, as you said, you need a big player to step up. And not as if he didn't step up. I just think Yesu played a better game. Um, I, I think you saw that in other games, uh, like, for example, Jason Preston against uh, Virginia. Uh, I think uh, players in, like uh, like uh, Tanner Groves almost had almost beat uh, Kansas when Eastern Washington um, played them. So I, I think you need a big player to step up like that in March. Yeah, so Chris, you're talking about star players, but sometimes that's not all March is about. Um, in the Michigan State-UCLA game, there was an unlikely – unlike that's the word, right? Unlikely hero? Unlikely, yeah, I that's the word. It. Sorry, guys. There was an unlikely hero for the Bruins. Uh, I think it's, you pronounce it Jaime. Jack or Jaime Jaquez. Um, Jaime? Dude, this kid was not missing. Like, oh my God. I've never seen anything like that. Like, he averaged 12 points this year. Yeah. Like, and he's brought them to the Sweet 16. Him and Juzang. Like, I know Kentucky is like crying right now, letting Juzang walk. The, that kid is is awesome. So is Jaime. It, it's, it's just crazy. They combined for. 50 points yeah, out of out of UCLA's 86, and they went into overtime. So, I mean, as a Michigan State fan, it's kind of heartbreaking, but nothing you can do. Those kids were awesome, and, and it's it's cool to see, like, guys like that become heroes, like unlikely heroes. I, I really like to see that. Yeah, and I, I think that's one of the things we missed out on last year, especially as we got towards the draft. A lot of players make a name for themselves in March. I mean, you look at Stephen Curry as a classic example that on that Davidson run. Um, I'm not saying Juzang was on the level of – or Jack was on the same level as Stephen Curry, but that's where players make a name for themselves when they have a national spotlight on them. And certainly Juzang is going to be one of the players to keep an eye out for next year, assuming he returns to UCLA for another season. Uh, although with the transfer portal, we don't know what will happen. Uh, I assume he'll stay. But, uh, yeah, Jack was very good as well. Uh, had 27 points and shot 75% from three, which – 
If you can shoot in March, it's it's not going to hurt you. If you can shoot, it's not going to hurt you. Now, talking about somebody who made a name for themselves, um, this dude is plastered all over social media. I'm sure you guys know who I'm talking about. Big boy Cameron Crutwig, like <laughs> the goofiest looking dude I have ever seen. And he's a bucket. Like, I mean, he's when he gets into the post, I, I haven't seen stuff like that. Like watching Garza play is, is like awesome. Crutwig does the same things. Like Crutwig is basically a Walmart Garza, but like he's going, he's he they will be in the final four. I, I'm very confident that they will be in the final four. Like he is awesome. Yeah, and he's he's also a great passer. He had five assists in their win over Illinois. And he's also as the experience as he's the lone starter from their last final four run. And obviously he's the leader of this team. Had 19, 12, and five against one of the best big men in the nation in Kofi, and obviously led them to the upset. Yeah, you're telling me this kid Crowley went toe-to-toe with Kofi Cockburn for 40 minutes. I mean, that's not a not an easy thing to do. Um, it would have been interesting interesting to see what would have happened in that Georgia Tech game had Moses uh, Wright played AC Player of the Year. Uh, I think they no one benefited more from that than Crutwig. But I think he proved himself against Cockburn. Um, as Alex, you said, he's a lone starter from that Final Four team. And I, I think this uh, go the road goes through Crutwig if Loyola Chicago wants to go through to the Final Four advance or if teams want to go through Loyola Chicago. Yeah, Chris, I agree. Um, if Crutwig isn't playing well, they're they're not going to win. He's he is the glue that holds that entire team together. But I'm not going to take away from their coach. Porter Moser might be a top ten coach in in college basketball right now. Like I genuinely mean that. He is one of the he. They have some of the best plays I've ever seen ran in college basketball. First of all. Like, the dump downs that they get to, to Crutwig are so easy. The threes that they get open are so easy. Like, their plays that they were running were phenomenal. It was really awesome to see. And he's a great defensive coach, too. They're always locked in on defense, always playing great defense. That that team is, is scary, man. That team is scary. All, all by the power of God, Sister Jean. Like, come on. Yeah, he's completely turned that program around. I mean, it, it's hard to get a team to buy in, um, especially in a short year like with a COVID, with COVID going on. Um, you don't have that much time with the team. But I'm Porter Moser again, as you said, he's one of the best. Um, he 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 got his team to buy in, play defense, and they they know their stuff. They know this. They know they got to get the ball to uh, Crowley down low, which is definitely beneficial to them. Yeah. Watching that game, it didn't even seem like it was an upset. Loyola led from start to finish all 40 minutes, and it, and it wasn't even like close. They controlled the game. We're up in like the, we're up in like the eight to ten point range throughout, and like there was never really a thought that uh, they weren't gonna come away with the win. Although I was expecting an Illinois run because they're just they're Illinois. They have Io, Kofi. They're a great team. They came back. Io came back to compete in March and win a national championship and you didn't expect him to go down like that and not even make it out of the first weekend but Loyola played a full 40 minutes yeah it was one of those things like you're waiting you're waiting you're waiting like when are they going to go on that run when are they going to get that big stop especially when you have uh such 
not, I don't want to say like hype, but yeah, hype players with like uh, Cabello coming off your bench, um, Adam Miller, Ace Wolf uh, coming off the bench as well. Uh, you were just waiting for them to go on that run. Um, and speaking of runs, let's, I really want to talk about Buddy Beheim and that Syracuse team. I mean, I, I said this about Sean McNeil in uh, West Virginia, but I can't remember the last time I saw Buddy Beheim miss a three. I think it's been one of those things that's – it's insane. The kids put up a combined 55 points in the last two games. Yeah, he's been playing great, and it's going to be interesting when he goes up against this great Houston defense this upcoming weekend. But, yeah, it's like the com- you can compare it to some of the best uh, scoring performances in the most recent memory. He's just been hitting everything, it seems like. Um, Syracuse seems to have a lot uh, of these type of guys. I mean, shout out Malachi Richardson, Trenton Maid. Um, kid was awesome. And they always seem to have that. Who was the kid who played really well two year- no, three years ago when they played Michigan State? I forget what his name was. One kid they had went played really well, and when they went to the Final Four, Malachi Richardson played really well. And this year, it's none other than the coach's son. Chris is making me laugh, doing the two threes to the eyes. Um, it's none other than the coach's son, Buddy Beheim. I actually heard a, a, a story about Buddy Beheim that I think you guys might find interesting. He used to be a ball boy for Syracuse when he was five, like five or six, right? And after every loss, he would go home and cry for hours and just ball his eyes out. And he didn't start on his AAU team until he was a junior in high school. So, like, not to be all philosophical, but kind of, like, see this kid doing crazy in March and, and see he's, he's one of the best coaches of all time, sons. He didn't start till he was a junior. It really doesn't matter. Like, this kid is lighting it up, and that's what I love about March. Chris said it before, like, People make a name for themselves, and it's awesome watching this kid go off. Yeah, and honestly, I mean, I don't want to be that guy, but I, I haven't really been surprised with the success Buddy Beheim's gotten. You saw it in the ACC tournament. They almost beat UVA. I think they lost by oh, lost on the last second buzzer beater. Um, and even two years ago against Duke, I'm a big Duke fan in case anyone doesn't know, um, when Zion was hurt and Duke went on the road to the Carrier Dome, Buddy Beheim came off the bench and lit it up. Um, I think it's one of those things, it's taken him a while to get comfortable. Uh, obviously, when you can only shoot, you can only do so many things. But when you figure out how to get open off the ball and use those ball screens in certain ways, the way he has, um, it reminds me a little bit like an old school J.J. Redick. Um, I, I think he can light it up from anywhere. Um, and I think against a team like West Virginia as well, Syracuse's 2-3 zone um, matches up really well. The way West Virginia plays basketball is it's do some pride at the top, trying to break someone down and drive and dish or go all the way to the hole. Um, with the 2-3 zone, it's hard to, to break down one person when you're guarded by, being guarded by two people at the top. Um, That's one of the things I was looking for at the start of this matchup. The only reason why I didn't pick Syracuse um, was because I actually had them losing to San Diego State. Uh, to, so I, my thought was that if Syracuse beat San Diego State, they would be going to the Sweet 16. Um, and lo and behold, that is what happened. Yeah. That that Syracuse zone, I feel like every March, just teams can't figure it out. Like San Diego State's a great team. They're coming off winning the Mountain West tournament, and Syracuse absolutely killed them. They made them look like they shouldn't even be in the tournament. And it was uh, in March. I mean, teams have a week to prepare for it after Selection Sunday, and they still can't find a way to do it. So you got to give Bohan credit. And that yeah. whole Syracuse team. 
Yeah, it's one of those things, man. You know it's coming. You can't stop it. Uh, it's kind of like West Virginia a couple years ago uh, in West Virginia. Sorry, still talking about West Virginia. Uh, but the two three zone like teams, I, the, I don't know something about it in March. They're they're literally daring you to shoot, but at the same time they're not because they're able to cover the wings. Um, they're forcing you in that short corner, trapping you. It's just a beautiful thing, man. And, and it, it kind of makes sense why it works in March is because the way Bayheim's teaching it, it takes the whole year and it takes a while to learn it. So Syracuse can always be one of those teams that gets hot right as March approaches. Um. I think a kid that I've enjoyed watching that we all knew would perform well has been Evan Mobley. Um, they blew out Kansas last night. Jeez. Um, Kansas was just no match for, for Mobley. Um, I just really like how he plays. He, he plays like a guard, but he's huge. He has such great vision, such great footwork. He's, he's really nimble. You don't see that in bigs, and honestly, I'm, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they make a deep run just because of how versatile he is. Like, I, it went, if and when they play Gonzaga, I I don't know if if anybody on Gonzaga can really stop him. It, it's going to be a shootout of a game, and I after seeing what happened to Kansas last night, I wouldn't be surprised if USC can make a run. Yeah, Um. I don't know about that one, Alex. I feel like uh, I don't want to go too far forward here, but if they were running Zaga, man, uh, the Zags, they're the only team that played, I think, the way we all expected to this past weekend. Um, I, I I think that they definitely lit it up from everywhere. One of the things I do question about them is their defense, which, again, could hurt you um, if they were to play someone like Evan Mobley in the future. But I figure if you give them a day to prepare, I feel like Mark Few would have them ready to go. Um, Mobley reminds me a lot of a young Joel Embiid. And I know this sounds really weird when we think about Joel Embiid now, but remember in college, this dude was a stick. He had no meat on his bones, was very skinny. That's kind of what Mobley is now. That was one of the things I was the most confused about when I saw him as one of the top prospects in the country. But I figure as far as a prospect goes, he might not be the best right now, even though he is playing really well. But long-term, I mean, look at this kid's potential. If he gets a little stronger, gets a little more consistent, I feel like Mobley might be a perennial all-star in the future. Um, let's go to another uh, another team I want to talk about is that Clemson-Rutgers matchup and then ultimately that Rutgers-Houston matchup. Uh, I've been saying it since the start. Clemson is the most overrated team in college basketball. Didn't think they should be in this tournament at all. Rutgers, thank God they proved me on that. Um, but I want to talk about this Rutgers-Houston game in particular. Uh, Spencer, Alex, you guys are from Jersey. What are your thoughts as far as the game went? Uh, Y'all had, what, a 10-point lead in the last 10 minutes? Spence, let me go first just because I know you got some stuff to say. Um, I watched with my dad who went to Rutgers. I believe Spencer's dad went to Rutgers as well, and his sister goes there now. So watching the game with, like, somebody who's been to that through that, those terrible times, my dad said at Rutgers they, he's in, he never saw them win a football game ever. Like, he swears they never won anything. Just to see a team like that with so much heart, like a team that, like, I relate to go down the way they did, it really sucks. Like, they played so hard and just just got – they were just unlucky. They really just got unlucky in the last few minutes. Um, I think that it's 
to be honest, I would take this as a win for even if they lost, I'd take it as a win for the program because this is new beginnings, right? They're, they're going to be a great program for years to come. And like yeah. this, this loss is just the beginning of like this loss in the second round is just the beginning of what's what's to come for this team. Yeah, Pikeel in just five short years, he when he joined, uh, when he joined the Rutgers coaching staff, they were at the bottom of the Big Ten and to already be back in the tournament and making the round of 32 and four minutes away from the Sweet 16, it really shows how great of a coach is. But yeah, that was a painful loss. Being up nine with four and a half minutes to go, just needed one defensive rebound, one layup down stretch and just couldn't get anything to fall. There was a there was an alley-oop from Geo Baker to Miles John, Johnson that they've connected on hundreds of times over the past three years with about two minutes to go. And it just, they, they did it and it just didn't fall. And, it, and they, Houston came back down and hit a three and the lead went from 10 to five as a result of that five point swing. And that really changed the whole game. And then the final few possessions, Houston was missing shots. What They missed a free throw. They got the board, and Grimes hit a three. And then even the game-winning three, they, it was off an offensive rebound. Houston's one of the best offensive rebound teams in the nation, and Rutgers was able to hold them in check for the first 35 minutes. But then those last five minutes, they just fell apart. Then on the offensive end, they went a lot of ISO. That They would holding like a four- to two-point lead the last three, four minutes – they would hold it for for 25 seconds, then t- drive, take a pull-up jumper, step back three. It was just a total collapse by Rutgers, and it hurt. It hurt as a Rutgers fan. Yeah, yeah. that's one of the oh, things. Go ahead, Chris. My that's bad. One of the things you've got to love about March Madness is that, I mean, you got to love and hate. Your team season can literally end with one shot or one missed play or one missed screen or didn't die for a ball and went out of bounds. Even earlier in the game, it doesn't. It's not necessarily the end of the game stuff. Um, it's one of the things that really shows you who the most deserving team is wins it all. Um, I think that was shown in that Houston game. I mean, Houston played awful. Like, let's let's not sugarcoat this. They played awful. Uh, but they adapted. I think that's the thing Mark showed you. They adapted the most. Um, they, they took their time to figure it out, and they beat a team like Rutgers. And I, I don't know. I think that's what March is all about. Um, I had a lot of fun watching that game, especially with the Jersey kid living across the hall. Um, I know it hurts, but I, I thought I enjoyed that game. I thought it was a good game. Yeah, Chris, it was a great game. Um, it ended with, I'm sure Spencer's dad did the same. My dad cursing out the TV for about 20 minutes. Brian's mom did the same thing. <laughs> but it was it was a great game. Um, one question I have for you, Spencer, as a real Rutgers fan, I, I, as you guys know, I'm not really a Rutgers fan. I just love New Jersey. Why is the ball in Jacob Young's hands with 50 seconds left in the game? Listen, Jacob Young is awesome. I'm not taking any way, anything away from the kid, but he plays way too out of control for the ball to be in his hands. Gio, like, Gio needs the ball there. I know he turned it over the next possession, but if he has the ball the possession before that and he gets going with, like, his clutch mode, I put quotations on that because it sounds kind of weird, like, he, he might not have turned it over the next possession. But Jacob Young just tried to, to do something that wasn't there that shouldn't be done with 50 seconds left. He got in the air and made a pass. And I think that's honestly what lost you guys the game. If, if, he, if the ball's in Gio's hands there, there might, be, there might be something different going on. Yeah, you know, I agree. I think the ball should have been in Gio's hands. But also, like, Jacob Young, you, you live with him and die with him. Like, Rutgers needed to win the Saturday 
the the Saturday before the Big Ten tournament. They had a game at Minnesota. It went to overtime, and Jacob Young absolutely took over, accounted for every point in the, every point in the overtime with it, whether that was through assist or point. So he has his moments where he can take over a game, but he also has those like dumb moments where he could turn it over and just be out of control. So yeah, crunch time. I think Geo should have got it. And then that next possession, he did. He came off the screen. Didn't in and out, which even he said he's done it millions of times in the post-game conference. He said he's done that moves millions of times and said that might have been the first time he ever lost it. So I don't know, just a heartbreaking loss. And I might be tripping, but was it Ron Harper who took a three when y'all were down three with like a minute left? I I mean, I, I understand like you want to live and die by your best player, but I just didn't like the look. Um, but I completely understand in March. If you're gonna lose with someone, you lose with the person who got you there, um, he's the one I can handle it the most. Um, but um, that was my thought from the end of the game there. So speaking of people who have got programs places, um, can we talk about the two awesome dudes over at Oral Roberts University? Um, Which one you want to start with first? I'm going to start with Ace Miss because, to be honest, like the other guy we're going to talk about, it kind of came out of nowhere. Like, he, he, nobody expected him to, to really do that. Um, Oral Roberts beat Ohio State. Like, that's crazy to say. Ohio State was looking like one of the, the best two seeds. And, yeah. like, I, I just – I don't know what happened. Ohio I had State, Ohio State in my final four. I thought they were getting hot at the right time just going to the Big Ten Championship. Um, it, it's one of those things, man. I don't know. Yeah. And then they went into the next week and beat a Florida team that – has actually been pretty hot that won an overtime game that had momentum. Well, not as much momentum as Oral Roberts, but still had momentum. And they, they came back and beat them. Yeah, I think Oral Roberts plays the – go ahead. Not only did they beat Florida, they came back and beat Florida too. Yeah, they came back. They were down nine, I believe, at yeah. one point. Like five minutes left, they were down nine or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. They, they play – I think Oral Roberts plays – a type of basketball that, I mean, might make them lose their next game, but has been so beneficial to them. They beat these teams because they live by the three. I think they they shot 30-plus threes in both games. That sounds right. Yeah. Like, and they don't turn the ball over at all. They beat Florida because Florida didn't defend the three well, and they hit threes, and Florida turned the ball over, and they didn't. They have – who do they play this upcoming week? They play Not Arkansas. Arkansas. They play Arkansas. Arkansas, who they already played earlier this year. Lost by seven, I think. So, I don't know. That's going to be a really interesting game to me. We'll talk about that in, in, maybe later this week. That's going to be a really interesting game to me because let's see if Oral Roberts can keep up what they've been doing and, and live by the three and live by the underdog mentality and be the first 15 seed to ever make an Elite Eight. I'm yeah, rooting for them. I'm looking it up right now, but I, I, if you look at their schedule, honestly, this, like, shouldn't be that much of a surprise. Like, Oral Roberts played some pretty good teams this year. I believe they played Wichita State, Missouri, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and Arkansas with all of those losses being under 10 points with the exception of Missouri. Like, you're telling me they lost by five to Wichita State, five to Oklahoma State, and uh, I believe, oh, I guess it wasn't under 10 to Oklahoma, but for 14 to Oklahoma, like that's a pretty close game. Um, and then Arkansas, they lost two by nine. Um, so 
it's just one of those things, man. Ace Miss, we knew about him. Obinar, I did not think the kid could shoot. I did not think the kid could shoot. Yeah, and who would have thought? Or Roberts, yeah, yeah, they played a pretty tough schedule on some tough teams, but they finished fourth in the Summit League. So it's crazy. That team that last month went into their Summit League tournament as the four seed was able to win that and then go on to beat a Big Ten team in Ohio State that went to their conference uh, tournament, tournament final the week before. And, I mean, that was a great game. Dwayne Washington didn't have the best game. He had an open look. Uh, honestly, the best possible look, I'd say, at the end of that overtime. Wide open, top of the key with a chance to tie it, but it just couldn't fall. But Ace Miss and Obinar really are playing, like, one of the best duos in the tournament right now. Yeah, and I'm a – me and Spencer are both Big Ten fans. You love to hate on other Big Ten teams, but – I think nine times out of 10, Dwayne Washington does not miss that shot because he, he has been playing magnificent all year. It's just, it's March. Like March is when the inevitable happens. And that was the one time he misses that look. Um, I think that Oral Roberts actually benefited from being seated too low. Like Chris said, they played a, a tough schedule, um, but they only lost those teams by single digits and Arkansas is by, a little more, but they might have been seated a little too low. Like there's some teams above them who should not have been 14 seeds who have not sh- should not have been 13 seeds. Like Oral Roberts is benefiting because they're playing, they're they're playing, they're being underestimated, right? Like teams are going in thinking it's a 15 seed. Like we don't have to. Like that's what Ohio State did. They went in thinking it's a 15 seed. We don't have to worry. Same deal with Middle Tennessee a couple years ago. Same deal with Dunk City in 2013, right? Like, that's what happens. You you benefit from being seated low because there's a stigma around being seated low. And I think that's one of the benefits that actually another 15 seed might have had in Iona uh, with a coach like Rick Pitino. You know what it's – he knows what it's like to play as the two seed going into the 15 seed. Um, I think, again, you're coaching and the, it's – I'm very curious as to how these coaches prepare your team for something like that. Like, no one thinks you're going to win. Only you guys think you're going to win and your fans think you have a shot at winning because you've been watching your team all year long. Uh, it's just one of those things, man, that like the coach, I don't know how they do it, but this that's where they make the big bucks. Um, going back to Obinar and Ace Miss, uh, I think Ace Miss had 29 against OSU and 26 against Florida. Um, well, that'll win you a game, but it's even easier to win a game when you have Obinar at your side scoring even more than that. Scored 30 points against Ohio State and 28 against Florida with 11 rebounds in both, so a double-double in both games. And as I was saying earlier, I did not think the kid could shoot. You look at him, his game was predominantly on the inside early on. He was 5 for 12 against Ohio State from three-point range and 4 for 7 against Florida from three-point range. And that's that's pretty good. Anytime you shoot above 500 and you're taking above five threes a game, and especially in March Madness, you're doing something right. And I, I think, like – Ace Miss, he obviously can score at any level he wants to. He's very quick. Um, he, he can get to the spot he wants to go to. But uh, I think Obenauer was the biggest shock from that Oral Roberts team. Yeah. Um, go ahead, Spence. Sorry. Even at the end of that Ohio State game, it looked like Ohio State was going to uh, advance up two with that 10 seconds to go. when Obenauer drove, got fouled, and went to the line and knocked down two. So – He's been playing. He's probably been the X factor, like you said. Everyone knew Azmus was gonna come in here as the uh, leading scorer in the nation. So everyone expected 
or not expected it from him, but everyone knew that he was going to get his. And also, it's a, he, he scores efficient. He, he shoots 50, 40, 90, which is crazy from the field, especially when you're leading the nation. So he's an, an efficient scorer, too. And then, like you said, Obinar is a sidekick. That's one of the best duos you could ask for. Yeah, obviously, it's easy to score when you have the number one scorer in the country. But when you have a number two, you're uh, robbing your Batman. Jeez, man, it, it's hard because you can't double team someone like Acemas. I mean, not like you could anyways. The kid's pretty quick. Um, but it's hard when you have someone like Obenauer down low who can also uh, pull out to the top and shoot. Uh, I, I don't know how you defend a team like that. And I think Arkansas is going to – if anyone can do it, it's Arkansas and Eric Musselman. Um, he's been here before. He'll figure out a way to do it. Yeah. Um, Spencer knows what that's like, being the Robin to my Batman. Um, <laughs> so I think that that's, that's a good point, actually. Like, the guys that come out and, like, be the second player to your best player are always the ones who end up playing better in March, right? Like, nobody expected O'Banner to be, like – I think – We've been saying it wrong. It might be O'Banner or or is it Obanar? We were pronouncing no idea. Smith wrong all last week. We were doing Abmus, and then the, yeah, the we announcer were. told so us wrong. Really so I'm matter. sure we'll figure it out this weekend. Yeah. So I just think that having a Robin to your Batman is is good. I don't want to go into my own little spiel because Chris just said that, but I do want to talk about kind of serious topic. Um, <laughs> not really serious, but. I know we don't have a huge platform on here and, and we're not getting many listens right now, but like this stuff with EJ Liddell and Kofi Coburn, it, it, it's disgusting to me. Like EJ Liddell has people telling him to kill himself in his DMs. Like, like that's horrible. Like you, it's just Kofi has people calling him like racist names. Like I'm not even going to repeat what they say. Cause it's just not, it's not right. And it really sucks. Cause those guys are, Although they're Big Ten players, I have respect for them because they're great players. There's no, there's like, no place for that. There's no place for that. There's just no place for that. It's just disgusting to me. And I had to bring it up because, like, I, I just, I just want to get my feelings out about how, how I felt about it because it's just, it's disgusting. It's just disgusting. Yeah, to I'm me. sorry, but I think Charles Barkley said it best. Like. If you're going to sit behind your screen and send someone messages, someone who's doing something for fun, let's keep in mind, these kids are not getting paid. This is not a job that they're doing. Um, this is something they were doing because they enjoy the game and they just happen to be really good at it. Um, if you're going to sit behind a screen and send someone threats and messages, um, I just don't think there's any place for that. It's over a game at the end of the day. Come on. Like, Basketball is fun. There's no place for that. No place for that at all. And he's going to accomplish more in life than any any of the people talking to him EJ ever Liddell, will. If you're out so, there, we love you. I, we love you, EJ Liddell. And, and Kobe Coburn, even though you're kind of rough nah. with your elbows nah, and he, stuff. He's from, he's from VA. He's from Oak Hill. He's good. All right, moving on to a lighter topic. Um, I want to talk about some of the second round games. Well, actually, sorry, before we do that, I want to talk about Villanova. I think Villanova, with the exception of the Pac-12, has been the biggest surprise of this tournament. And I was not hot on this Villanova team at all. I had them losing to Winthrop big in that first round game. We were talking about Winthrop, uh, what was it, in the last two podcasts? We had them, we're like, oh, this Winthrop team has a chance to go far. The committee, uh, even though they were a 12 seed, gave them like a good spot to be in by facing a five seed in Villanova. We thought that was too high. Uh, 
I don't know. I doubt Villanova was listening, but if they were, they shot us up. Because uh, this Villanova team made us is in the Sweet 16 now, now going up against Baylor. They killed North Texas. They kind of beat Winthrop uh, somewhat convincingly. Like, that was not really a close game. Um, I, I do think uh, Chandler uh, – I forget. Names of my mind. Starts with a V. Yep. Chandler Vaughn on Winthrop. I think he didn't play that well in that game, which did hurt Winthrop. But, um, I, man, Villanova – Never, never doubt Jay Wright in March, just like we never doubt Jim Beheim in March. That's all I got to say. Yeah, that's actually the one game I didn't get to catch a lot of, the Winthrop-Villanova game. I think it was – Winthrop was, like, low-key favorited in that game by a lot a lot more people. Um, That just goes to show you, like, winners win. Like, Jay Wright has turned that program into a powerhouse, and winners win no matter what. Uh, prayers up to Gillespie. But like, they're they're doing well without him. Like, I'm so surprised by that. I, I I don't know how they their leader can go down during the season. Well, I do know how, and his name is Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Um, I don't know how, but I don't know how he can go down and they still have the life to win two, not one, two tournament games. Right? It's crazy to me. It's Jay Wright. Jay Wright's a winner, and he'll always be a winner. So Jay Wright. Tell them to F off. <laughs> Speaking of winners, um, I, I guess the conference with the most amount of winners this weekend up until the, who was it? Colorado losing the Florida state. The Dude, the PAC 12 have not watched a single PAC 12 game all season. I'm going to be completely honest. I watched Arizona state a little bit at the beginning. I watched USC, a little bit of Oregon, a little bit of UCLA. Colorado smacked Georgetown. I think they won by what? 20, 30 points. Where did that come from? Um, you got teams like USC and Oregon in the uh, Sweet 16. Oregon State beating Cade Cunningham, for perhaps the number one pick in next year's draft. Um, after beating uh, Spencer, sorry, but your team Tennessee in the first round. Um, I, I just think, man, the, the Pac-12. Oh, and also UCLA, three games, um, three games in five days, I believe, three games in six days. Um, I'm just impressed by the Pac-12 this weekend. Yeah, the Oregon State, who was. Uh, to finish 12th in the Pac-12 before in the preseason by the media is now in the Sweet 16. Who would have thought? And it's all in big part due to Ethan Thompson, who went head-to-head with potential number one pick Cade Cunningham and actually outscored him, played a great game. They have a great big man down low in Silva who really uh, set the pace or the control in that first half of that Oklahoma State game. They killed Tennessee, held them to, like, I think 22 points in the first half. Tennessee struggled all year with scoring the ball. But Oregon State really went out there, absolutely dominated, kept their momentum from their Pac-12 conference tournament run, and then went on and upset. A lot, of t- a lot of people had Oklahoma State even going to the Final Four and winning the chip. So for Oregon State to not only beat them, but to do it in pretty convincing fashion and lead almost the whole game, it was a great win. Just all the Pac-12 is looking great. Yeah, I agree. Um, before I talk about one of my favorite players in the tournament, I just want to say if you have any doubts that Cade Cunningham is the number one pick in the NBA, um, you need to get checked out. Like Michael Jordan said, you need some help, right? You don't. Um, you don't like. Uh, you don't like uh, Jalen Green. I. I don't. I really. I was telling Spencer today. Actually, I don't like Jalen Green at all. I don't think he's. I actually don't think he's a top four prospect to be honest. But it will. 
We'll do an NBA podcast. Oh, yeah, we'll do a deep dive. We'll, right? Because we'll oh, that ain't college. Debate, yeah. He should be he should be helping Kentucky sit on the couch right now, but he ain't. So <laughs> or Memphis or Auburn. Or yeah, whatever, wherever he wanted to go, right? Uh, um Alex, team. which which Pac 12 team surprised you the most? Mm, that's actually tough. They've all surprised me. Oregon State, I expect I Oregon State is who I expected Georgetown to be. Like the team that stays hot after getting hot at the right time. They've been awesome. Um I'm blanking. UCLA has been awesome, even though they beat my team. I have mad respect for Johnny Juzang transferring and just getting buckets. Um, Colorado was great. Florida State's a, an underrated team. They struggled that game, but it's it's going to be hard to beat Leonard Hamilton in March. Um, and Oregon, right? That's all. And then yeah, there's that, one more. Yeah, you named every single one I of them. I asked, one. I asked for one, but they all equally surprised you. <laughs> no, <laughs> I just can't pick. But Oregon, I think, might have surprised me the most. Um, Chris good. Duarte is is awesome. I love watching this kid play. He He's a leader on the court. He's a sniper from three. A sniper. Um, he's going to be special in the league. But honestly, I think that they got help from Spencer. Who who's the kid? Who's the kid who came off the bench that had that barely played this year? I'm blanking on his name. The Rutgers transfer. Omorie. Oh, oh no, yeah, no, yeah, no. He's Omorie is great. He starts. He starts. There was a kid. I thought there was a kid who came off the bench who played who guarded Garza and played. Yeah, no, yeah, played, no. Uh, I forgot his name too, but they're big men. Yeah, yeah, but Moria, he played great. I think. Chris, you, you why don't Chris, why don't you talk about the Pac-12 or Spencer? And I'm gonna look up this kid's name because I'm <laughs> blanking right now. I actually want to talk about Oregon um, as well. We were talking about UCLA, how they won three games uh, to get to where they are. Oregon actually only had to win one game because um, of a COVID cancellation. Uh, I believe uh, Roger Ayers, his name, one of the referees, longtime ACC referee, uh, tested positive at one of VCU's conference tournament games. And that's how Oregon, I guess, because of protocols, because it was in the last seven days, VCU wasn't able to play. I guess not enough time to like test their players. I'm not really sure how that, that all worked out, but Oregon, the game got canceled, uh, canceled and Oregon moved on. I think we got lucky. Uh, that was been definitely one of my biggest worries was all the COVID issues, especially after seeing teams like UVA, Duke have to drop and Kansas have to drop out of the conference tournaments. I was worried as to how those, these COVID situations would be handled in March. And I, I think, so far, we got lucky, knock on wood. Uh, we get through the rest of the term without any other COVID issues. You find the name of that kid yet? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was uh, – wait, I just had it. It went away. It, it started with a K. Uh, it's like Kep, Kepang or something like that. It's driving you crazy, huh? Kepnang. Kepnang. He came in and had – he played six minutes. He had two blocks and four points on two of three. Uh that's just like even six minutes in March guarding the best player in college basketball, the best player in college basketball is, is, is awesome to see. The kid played like he averaged like two minutes a game or something like something really whack and came in and gave six hard fought great minutes. Cause their starters all played 32 plus their starters all played 30 plus minutes. So, yeah. um, Against also, against one of the Go best ahead. in college basketball of ever like Luka Garza is that good I believe yeah as as a I know I say I say this all the time that I'm a big 10 fan as a big 10 fan I shed a tear watching him walk off the court yeah, um, yeah. I have so much respect for that guy he 
he has worked his, his butt off. He completely turned that program into a powerhouse the last two years. And it was, it was really sad to see. He was crying. He was hugging his teammates. Uh, the Oregon coach even went, Altman even went over to him and, and hugged him and, and said some stuff. And then when he hugged Fran McCaffrey, I actually started to cry because just seeing a moment like that is even in his, his post-game conference was so, was so emotional and just to have a great, like that be graduating, like kind of like how I felt with Cassius last year, although that was a little more personal. Um, It's just, it was just really emotional. And so I have so much respect for Luca Garza. And that's one of the things you don't see. You don't see players stay for four years nowadays. Now, hopefully in the future with the G League pulling out their stuff, the NBA trying to get rid of the one and done rule, um, you may start to see it more, but you don't see players stay for four years. I mean, Alex and uh, Spencer, you guys obviously watch a lot of Big Ten basketball. It's frustrating going against guy for four years, at twice, twice a year for four years in a row. You kind of hate them, but you miss it at the same time when they go. Um, and that was definitely one of those moments. Uh, I think on TikTok, you see this. Well, I guess I'm just too tough to cry. One of those things. Yeah, uh, that's so, what I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 you shed a tear, but it's one of those things that makes you smile at the end of it. Like, you know, like it, he had a good career, had a really good career at Iowa. Yeah. Go ahead, Spence. I know how we're talking about how much uh, of Big Ten fans we are, but we can't go without saying how big of a disappointment they've been this, uh, this tournament all year they've been talked about as the best conference in basketball they have nine teams in the tournament and only one advancing to the sweet 16 right there's ohio state getting upset first round purdue getting upset first round michigan is the only team left after the first weekend who would have thought maryland maryland did have a good first round win same with Rutgers, but to have only one team represented uh, in the Sweet 16, the Big Ten is ha- has to be one of the most disappointing things that you could think uh, uh, from this tournament. Yeah, and I think it's a team that we were all surprised by, to be honest. I know last week, um, a couple of people, I don't forget who disagreed with me, but like I said LSU would beat Michigan like I was willing to put money on it. Um, Michigan played awesome. It, they came out and completely outdueled LSU. Eli Brooks was great. Sean D. Brown was great. You can see Livers. I mean, as a Michigan State fan, seeing Livers on the sideline, like cheering his team on, it's it's still good to see. Like you love to see stuff like that. They're playing for their guy. And honestly, and I, too, I didn't he say like hashtag not NCAA property? Yeah, that's we'll talk about that after this. That's I think we should talk about that. Um, it's just they're like you love to see a team playing for their guy, right? That's 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 just it. And I, I ate my words. Juwan Howard, you made me eat my words. Let's see if you can win this weekend. <laughs> um, I think the as we're talking about conference success, uh, I was honestly surprised by the ACC. I, I did not think they would get two teams in there. I thought there would have been one team um, and I thought it would have been Florida State. Uh, Syracuse surprised me a little bit. Uh, George Tech had a tough road to get there. They would have had to beat Loyola Chicago and Illinois. Uh, would have been tough. Uh, Virginia Tech, no shot they were beating Florida and supposed to be Ohio State um, and so on and so forth. North Carolina was going to have to play Baylor. I was surprised the ACC got two teams in there. Um, I think Virginia was not beating Ohio, which they didn't. Uh, Florida State was the only team I was confident about, but they snuck two in, and I think that's the second most, right, with the Big East and 
Uh, Big East and ACC both are tied with second with two teams in the Sweet 16 with like, obviously Pac-12 has four. I hate it when Bill Watson says it. He might make me my words, but I guess this year they might be the conference of champions if one of those teams can go far enough uh, and snag another championship. Uh, Alex, you want to talk a little bit about the Isaiah Livers t-shirt? Yeah, I, I do want to talk about it, but I think Spencer deserves the right to talk about it just because of who started this amazing movement in the NCAA. Yeah, the movement was started by Rutgers senior Geo Baker, and it's really taken off as of late. As you see, he started a few days before the NCAA tournament, hashtag not NCAA property. It was over all Twitter, all platforms, and just a movement saying that uh, the players need to get paid and need to get some sort of return because of all the hours and money and revenue they bring in. The NCAA brings in millions of dollars and the players get none of it. And that's honestly a shame. All they, they get a, they get a free, uh, free education, but only set like even the walk-ons don't some of the walk-ons don't. So it's honestly a shame. Yeah. Um, I think that's one of the things that definitely has to change. Uh, we, we talked earlier about uh, players like Fidel getting hate, but yet they're not getting any money um for this hate it's not like like these are kids at the end of the day you know what i mean um alex you have something you want to say yeah so i just want to let you guys if you don't know i want to read what geo tweeted out on march 17th so keep in mind this was a week ago so that means two days before the tournament so he says the ncaa owns my name image and likeness Someone on music scholarship can profit from an album. Someone on academic scholarship can have a tutor service. For people who say an athletic scholarship is enough, anything less than equal rights is never enough. I am hashtag not NCAA property. Um, to see a college kid do that, especially a college kid juggling so much, playing D1, March Madness, worrying about the league, it it's really great to see. Um, I think that the NCAA... Going into another topic, I'm I'm sorry, Chris. I know you want you want to go to bed so bad right now, um, but like the women's stuff is just ridiculous. Like, come on, you, you're giving them third like thirty pound dumbbells. It's just honestly, it's ridiculous. The NCAA has just become a a funnel for money from these kids, and it's it's honestly it's disgusting to me. They completely take advantage of the athletes. I mean, I know women don't bring in as much profit in college basketball, but still there has to be some sort of some sort of way you can make it equal. Like the NCAA has so much money. Use that money and put it towards sports, not even women's basketball, sports that aren't bringing in as much money as the men's basketball. Like, come on, it's they've just become greedy and it's just a terrible it's honestly a terrible corporation. And it, they'd have to fix something. And, and honestly, like this, this is one of those things that's like, one of the things I've learned in my lifetime, the NCAA doesn't like to change unless it's forced to change. And leagues like the NBA, they change so quickly. Like, like they'll change things within a day, that, not to get political, but they're very liberal. Like things go by and it's very liquid. It's very changes very quickly. NCAA football, you don't really have that problem because with the way of football, the only things that are changing are how to make players safer, which for the NCAA is important to them. Basketball, on the other hand, a lot of these things need to change, but the NCAA is being very strict um being very conservative in these values and doesn't want them to change i think this is something that like at, like 
players are going to end up going on strike or something um, in the future. I think this is something that's going to change for basketball. There's these things don't line up. Yeah. For any of the college athletes, college basketball players that follow us, that listen to the podcast, that look at our posts, keep fighting for your rights, right? Keep fighting. You guys deserve to have, you guys deserve to make money. You guys are our source of entertainment for everybody around the globe and keep fighting. Don't give up. Don't let the NCAA push you guys back. Like we, we, you guys have to just keep going for what you deserve. Shout out to the women, shout out to the women's tournament. Keep doing your thing. Stop, stop worrying about the NCAA. They don't care about you. Just do your thing. And one day we will make them care about you. That came off a little wrong. Not to it's say that you guys are, you don't matter. Have to, you have to keep going. Um, things aren't going to change unless you make change. It's one of those things, too. Everyone knows this stuff should happen. The only things that – the only people that don't know are the NCAA. Um, so you're going to have to force their hand and show them your cards at the end of the day. On that note, I think we're almost out of time here. Uh, I want to thank Alex and Spencer, uh, guys, sharing your thoughts on the first weekend today. I had a lot of fun talking – college basketball with you um as a reminder don't forget to check out our college basketball page check it out. pod check it um, out. i believe we, we have our hours. i believe we have our all first weekend team post going up tomorrow take a look at that or well i guess this will be today chris works way too hard for you guys not to follow us please follow us <laughs> thank you very much uh if you want to check our last podcast and see how right we were with some of our picks i sat down with qf po- podcast owner ryan and made some of our march madness picks uh feel free to check out that at the end um Boys, thank you very much. Shout out my boy Mick. He got the Rona right now, but he said Oral Roberts was going to win. So <laughs> go birds or go Falcons, whatever their logo is. Pigeons. I don't know. Shout out go, Mick. Though. Golden Eagles. Get better soon for the Golden <laughs> Eagles, baby. We miss you, Mick. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. See ya.